Welcome to The Collector's House, a Matches Fashion Podcast. I'm Danielle Rodoichin. Each episode features a conversation with a creative mind about the things that inspire them or that have given their life meaning in some way. From books, to art, to a piece of jewellery, these objects are collected into a cabinet which resides in physical form in the attic at 5 Carlos Place, the Matches Fashion Townhouse in London. My guest on this episode is Julien Dossena, the creative director at Paco Rabanne. Since joining the storied French fashion house in 2013, he has imbued it with a modern, youthful aesthetic, true to its founder's vision that also fits into the needs of a 21st century wardrobe. We sat down to talk about some of the things that inspire him, from his dad's discotheque, to working with Nicolas Gesquier at Balenciaga, to what he does in his downtime. Julien Dossena, hello. Hi. It's really nice to have you on the show. Thanks for coming in. You're very welcome. Congratulations on your installation here at Five Carlos Place. Um, on the ground floor here, there's a Paco Rabanne installation. Beautiful clothes. And it's a bit more than a shop. It's kind of like a... Could you artistically direct it? Yeah, it yeah, yeah. It feels like you did something special. We, Tell us what you did with it. We worked with the team and it was uh, super interesting to just um, try to search how to express the brand in the Machi's identity at the same time and trying to get uh, for the people the feeling and the experience of the, of the Paco Rabanne brand in one space. Uh, so it was really like a conversation in between the matches team and my teams to get uh, to know what uh, the customer experience has, has to be and at the same time how we can make them uh, feel the um, universe of uh, aesthetic universe of Paco Rabanne. So we worked on different, let's say, um, boxes or like pods, something like that. Pods. Pods, no, that the uh, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> I don't know, it's a good words, yeah. you know, like this kind of uh, of uh, area that you can experience the different collections, also and the different aspect aspect of the brand. So, so we it was really like uh, creating spaces in space and to, yeah, um, allow also to have that kind of uh, intimate um, um, experience with the clothes that are in those spaces. So, voila. I noticed there's a um, there's an installa- there's a glass box contain containing some of the chainmail handbags, mm-hmm. which the um, the label is famous for. And next to it, there's a video showing that, well, there's there's showing the craft yeah. of making those bags. Is that something that's important to you to to show that, that they're they're handmade? And yeah, it's super important, and especially uh, when you consider the Paco Rabanne brand. The craft mm-hmm. is the base of everything. It was. Uh, considering himself Paco Rabanne when he was designing as an um, artisan, we say in French, uh, that means somebody that do uh, that does um, artworks or uh, clothes or objects with um, his his hands, mm-hmm. let's say. So it was uh, this kind of designer Paco Rabanne that was really on the material all the time. And so, of course, we got that tradition in Paco Rabanne and that uh, knowledge of craft that is super, super important that we want also to explain to people that they 
get to understand how is made these objects and not like taking it as a product is really something that is made one piece by one piece by end so it takes that amount of hours to get to that product let's say and so uh it's really important for me to for the people to know that somebody did it you know and that it comes from a tradition as well and considering that it's quite you know like um a not let's say not a recent brand but it's coming from the yeah 60s you know so yeah. still at that time there is that specificity of hand making things even if it's a futuristic brand you know so it's really that kind of ambivalence that we wanted to express mm -hmm. and of course to yeah let the people know the novelty about craft and the novelty of the work of Pagoraban in general We talked, um, I mentioned to you earlier that this podcast has a special format where you talk about some objects that mean something to you and that we put upstairs into our cabinet. What was the first thing that you'd like to talk about? Um, I would begin, I think, by um, one book that is quite important for me because it's uh, both sentimental and at the same time built a lot of uh, my aesthetic perception, let's say. It's a um, uh, Baudelaire um, complete workbook uh, that comes from my grandmother who was like a literature teacher and um, I remember discovering this kind of um, beauty description uh, that I was really sensitive to as a teenager and that maybe at some point led me to what I do now so uh, it's it's really like um, everything I love about it that kind of uh, we were talking about craft and I think is really uh, uh, beyond the fact that uh, Baudelaire was an amazing poet and like an, an, uh, one of our best French writers in general is really somebody that also worked a lot on his on his on his literature and on the way he wanted to express things that's where he, he found in that work artwork the the um, the kind of genius that is known for uh, after and more than the poetry that i love uh, and that kind of you know like let's say uh, alive paintings that he can create when talking about uh, about his topics it's just that Uh, he also was an amazing um, art critic uh, and he was one of the best art critics of his time in the 19th century. And so uh, I discovered, I, I studied the art history after from that book because I saw that talking about uh, art and, and he was talking about Delacroix as anyone, like really. And that really at some point inspired me for almost, yeah, 10 years of my life of studying after, you know, like after my teenage. So that's why this object is quite important to me. You've just answered about three of my questions. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, no, no. Do you tell me no. if I talk too much. No, 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 it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Um, you grew up in Brittany. Yeah. In the northwest of France. Um, tell me like what your family was like. If you said you mentioned your grandmother who introduced you to Baudelaire. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I've read somewhere that your father ran a local disco. Yeah, he did. Among um, many many other things, yeah, like, yeah. I come from a family that is really, um, uh, let's say, um, typical French uh, from Brittany. And Brittany, you know, is kind of a rough countryside, is by the sea. And I come from a little fisherman place. And I just have one side of my family, uh, um, including my grandmother, who was a, a teacher, and my grandfather, husband, that who was a sculptor, uh, that are like really. Um, This this part of the family gave me 
the value of um, art in general and culture in general and the way that I had to learn and to, to see things and to, to get um, nurtured by, uh, let's say, beauty or like everywhere, like going to exhibitions, seeing movies, reading a lot. Everybody was reading all the time. Uh, on my father's um, side, and then the, the my mother's side was more like um, more like bourgeois French uh, kind of. They were running um, family house that became like the you know like the uh, in French is really classic. It's like Hotel de la Plage in French. It's like this kind of like old house that is an hotel, so big house in front of the beach, and so it was like a lot of families coming there in the summer and um, with the children and everything, and it was really traditional French. Uh, Britain uh, kind of Atlantic uh, feeling uh, of holidays and they were um, like uh, super hard workers all, all of them and uh, so my mother got like more that kind of um, pragmatism let's say of, of that side of the family she was a um, horse riding she was this kind of you know like active uh, woman uh, from, the, from the countryside let's say <laughs> and so uh, and so I get I I'm uh, and and my my father coming from that more adventurous side of the family, let's say, uh, met my mother and and you, my father is more the crazy one and he was like a child of sixty eight, you know, in France. He's this kind of like rebellious, always want to have like his independence, his freedom, and everything. And he got my mother like I don't know how, but uh, <laughs> like that. And they 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 after they they built their family and everything. And my father was really like taught me always to be as much free and independent as I can. He's always said to me, like, travel light and, and try to to not worry too much about things that can happen to, to me. And I guess my mother was the side that say, like, okay, you have to keep your your ground, your, your, your feet on the, on the ground and everything. So I guess I'm the product of that. Yeah, it sounds mix. like you had a very balanced Yeah, kind childhood. of. This time, balanced and crazy because uh, my mother left at some point and she carried uh, me and my sister, like, everywhere. So um, from my seven years old, I was, like, living in Paris and then I went to Berlin when I was nine for three years and after south of France uh, in different come, places. How come? Why was she traveling around? Oh, you know, because she, she, she became, I guess, adventurous after <laughs> with my father. Did <laughs> For, for maybe like uh, he was not happy that much that she became that <laughs> adventurous, but but yeah, she I guess she wanted to 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 build a, another life as well. So so she was like modern in that kind of. Uh, so you'd actually explored a lot around. Yeah, your exactly. Childhood wasn't just confined to. No, Brittany. and then after I went back to Brittany when I had to go to high school because uh, because I wanted to go back, and then after I went studying in Paris and then Belgium. Yeah. And back to Paris. So mostly wow. Paris now. I'm getting old. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> what else would you put into the cabinet upstairs? What other objects would you um, like to talk about? I put also in the cabinet, like, I, I think there is a Grace Jones t-shirt. And it's an old, old vintage t-shirt that I found. Um, I would not say recently, but kind of recently. I love this t-shirt. It's just like I'm fond of that. Of that. So it's exactly like all in the object put in, the, in, the, in that... Uh, object all that I love that of course graphic Grace Jones I guess it was like from uh, Jean-Paul Good like picture you know that like when she's like a robot with um, with the like yellow eye and everything and I think in the back it says something like a uh, lot of grace for grace or something like that or something humoristic and I'd love that of, of course the graphic thing the fact that it's on, like on a like super classic white tea 
I, I guess the thing for me looks super radical and at the same time super appealing, which mm. what I'm always searching for in general in design, and and uh, and that's why I love that balance that you can find in that object. Where did you find the T-shirt? It's I found it in New York uh, in a vintage shop called uh, Metropolis. I think it's near it's to Union Square or something. Yeah. Weird neighborhood. I don't remember exactly, but it's a really, really amazing shop where they are specialized in T-shirts and teddies and everything. So there is like the college section, there is like the hard rock section, there is even like the ACDC section, and Metallica section, and everything. And then on the walls there is like the hip hop uh, movies, uh, animates, everything. So it's really they are really specified in that, and you can find am amazing uh, graphic inspirations and uh, most. Than that, more than that, like amazing uh, t-shirts for you, like really to buy. So just going back to your life story, so you went to Paris to study history of art, and then after you went to Brussels to yeah. La Combre, where you, I think, you continued studying history of art. Um, at what point did you think about moving into fashion design? I thought about it because uh, I always uh, draw when I was a kid, like I was the, the, the drawer kid, let's say. So, you know, in the in the classroom, there is always one like and I was the one, you know, that was that was asked for, like, uh, can you make my portrait or can you like draw me a horse or something like and uh, I was drawing and I loved that. And and so as a kid, I, I was always telling me like, oh, you should find a, a job in something that make you draw. You know, like uh, it could either be like drawing cars or boats or whatever, but it was to draw something or like I, I didn't know why because I that's really the one of the only activities that I can stay like for hours drawing and drawing and drawing. So, so after I, I discovered like more like art theory and I've been really into like studying um, modern art and contemporary art at that in my late teenage, and so I, I just. I was still drawing, but it was more like getting like a hobby or something. So it was less important for me at that time than to learn and to and to read and to and to to, to I don't know like to to think about concept of art concept. Yeah. So you know that age when you're twenty or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, and so it came back to me at some point because I missed drawing so much, you know, and I was like uh, based into all that art uh, theory, of course, but that art works, and I didn't. I, I just missed it, you know, like the gesture, the fact that I needed to, to, to yeah, to, to have the hand involved somehow, somewhere. And so I, I just began to so to think, and I was really interested also in magazines, like fashion magazines, like at that time, like English fashion magazines, by the way, like The Face, and it was ID, it was Dazed also. Like was this sort of in the 90s? or End of the 90s, yeah. let's yeah. say. And, uh, and so I was discovering photography and fashion photography and some things that was expressing also uh, really the core of what I was living at that time with my friends and everything in a super interesting aesthetic way and that can and as I was learning art concept and everything that can really rely on, on in, in quality in, in that kind of of yeah, yeah quality let's say uh, with the with the art history and so I thought like oh, okay fashion is fine because you have to like uh, build a concept uh, on a brand or something you have to draw of course you have to sculpt you have to work in volume you have to maybe at some point do a scenography you have to uh, basically be an art director you know be like yeah an artistic director and so that's when it began to just like pop into my head and just like oh, okay maybe that's 
a, a way to investigate and that something to do there. Mm -hmm. So, voila. And straight away, you, and you, you were in especially keen to work at Balenciaga, yeah. which at the time Nicolas Gasquier was leading. Um, why were you so keen on that? Um, because I was like really uh, precise on what I wanted to do. And I guess that uh, his work really touched me on so many levels of uh, understanding and uh, at the same time exigence and uh, identity expression. And so I really only wanted to learn there, to have my first job there, because I thought it was the best school that I can ever have, you know, like to to be part of that group and to be part of that almost um, family, let's say, and uh, to be driven by that uh, enthusiasm that was uh, there uh, in the studio, so upon uh, that I thought was there at the studio because mm -hmm. I didn't know them at, at that time, and so that was really like becoming. I would not say like an obsession, but something that I was really sure about that it was that place at that moment, or that would be nothing else. You know, like did you know anyone there, or did you just no, go and no, no, no. have your interview? I was just a guy coming, you know, in the <laughs> city, like knowing no one. So I just like you know uh, like. Uh, really genuinely, I, I, I didn't know anyone and I just like sent letters. That was all. So I sent one letter one year and then after I was working on other things because I was a student so I, I already worked on, on like a mass market things and everything. Mm -hmm. So I wrote a second letter with a CV and then after I wrote a third letter with the book and everything <laughs> and they called me and they said like, oh, we know your name because I, I was like, uh, I, I, I did um, the year festival before, just at that time, and and so my name was a little bit there, you know, like in the in France, let's say, in, in the press. So your work at the year festival, you'd been selected as a yeah finalist as a finalist, for the and prize, I, I, right? exactly, yeah. and I, and I won I, I won a special prize and and uh, a prize at that time that was called un deux trois that was a mass market for Etam brand, and so you had to do a collection for that. And so I remember that's where um, I, I basically um, understand what was the fashion industry and what where, who were the fashion people. I remember it was Anne de Melemester, uh, president of the jury, and that was Maria Luisa, uh, the, the owner and founder of Maria Luisa uh, Boutique, uh, who, who was uh, Rue Cambon at that time. And all of them. So, so, um, so it was for me like I was uh, like really young and everything. But... Still, when I arrived at, at Balenciaga, when I received my letters, I said, oh, we know your name, we know what you do and everything, but what we could offer to you is just an internship, you know, and you, are, you may work already or you may have a job. And I said, like, let me arrange that. Mm. Uh, even with no money, I can come and, and work for you for, for, for the time you want until you, get, you give me a job. But I will work so hard that you're going to give me that job. <laughs> and that's what happened after yeah. later. And then you sort of um, gradually became, you worked your way up to yeah. senior designer exactly. eventually, and, I think. Uh, yeah. How many years were you there? Was it five years? Five years. Five years. Yeah. Yeah. At the beginning, it was intern, and then at the end, I had like uh, my own little team. I was specialized in uh, tailoring and pants and coats and everything. So, so yeah, that was super interesting. What were the main things you learned there? How did it change your approach to what you were doing to your craft? Um, I would say that it it learned me to how you deal with a brand, the idea of a yeah. brand and the idea of the business as well, you know, because 
I always uh, had that, you know, like hard work way of doing things and and to be like a really on the clothes and really working in a in precise way, let's say, and uh, a bit nerdy like that. But uh, but uh, I didn't um, knew at all. Uh, how do you create that desire of clothes, which is the meaning of fashion? You know, you can work on clothes and you can like make an amazing piece of something. But still, you know, I I learned there watching Nicola working and the team working, how you create that kind of um, mix and match and excitement that makes it culturally relevant. And at the same time, um, with the quality of like a speed car. You know what I mean? So it was really... What do you mean by quality of speed car? Like the clothes were, uh, you know, like amazing objects. Like, I mean, it was, it was, everything was finished. So I learned all that high, high, high quality of what should be luxury and how you can, you, you, when you buy a, um, a 3,000 euros coat, it needs to be like a Ferrari coat. You know what I mean? And so everything was so like the inside of the pocket where another lining with the print because it needs to have that detail to make it like really this kind of thing and of course the cut and the time that you put uh, on the on that product specific to, to, to that you take on the cut on the way it's going to fall everything mm -hmm. and then at the same time I was learning how to how can I say like how on that amazing object you create all the story and all the mix and all the ecosystem that will make it uh, more than just luxurious and relevant you know like being able to just create that narrative or that new image that make people want to have it and to yeah culturally rely to it let's say so it's a bit abstract like that but basically it's all uh, what fashion is based on let's say when you build something when you build a collection when you build a brand so yeah i learned all of that and and on the side of course i learned all what meant uh, to work in the business and how to be strong also to never compromise and at the same time to be flexible enough to make it work. So it was the best education, I would yeah. say. Yeah. What other things would you like to talk about? Object, you yeah. mean? Uh, so I don't know. I would say um, I have that book from Peter Saville that is uh one one that i bought like um, on the, on the internet i think oh merci beaucoup <laughs> and uh and so it's um peter saville i, I work with him for like maybe three four years now and he was the first person i wanted to meet when i began at paco Rabanne to to work with him because i of course uh, obviously when i was a teenager i was a huge fan of his work like for, for the factory records of course and for but yeah, you know, I, uh, as everyone, I, I just like discovered him with the um, New Order uh, album uh, covers. And, and after I digged into his work and I, I discovered his work in fashion that when he worked with Marc Ascoli at uh, Yoji Yamamoto. And I was like blown away by the, yeah, by the, the quality and, um, and the, the spirit and the, and the yeah, the boldness of, 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 of his work in general. And I was really as we said just before, like culturally, like I, I felt that I, I, I wanted to be 
to know him, you know, yeah. <laughs> and to work with him when I arrived at Akraban the way before. And so uh, I found that book uh, that is like a book of photography that is, of course, graphically worked, reworked after by, by Peter. And, and it's um, a series of pictures uh, during like a New Order um, tour. And um, it's pictures with sentences that, picture, that Peter picked from interviews. And it worked with, you know, that kind of solarization um, effect. And so it's like pure color sometimes. And then there is a statue solarized in the middle of a picture of the New Order singer saying like, our cool is coldness or something. You know, this kind of interaction between words and colors and elements and this feeling of like being really into a direct thing because it's a tour, it's like a documentary picture tour. So, so yeah, I love that object too. And it's like an endless source of inspiration in general, like, uh, and even of fun or like, or testimony of that mm -hmm. time. And I'll, yeah, I'll, I love his work in general, but. Have I you hired him to work for Pacarabans? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We work on, on series of t-shirts every summer. So every year I go and we meet and we have fun together and we talk together and we create this like collaboration on t-shirts and I think he enjoys it and uh, we yeah we we get along really really well together and me uh, I just still as a you know we have like coffee and cigarettes and we looking at pictures on the internet having fun and and making jokes and It's so interesting that thing you say where you think of people that you want to work with and then you go and find them i mean that takes quite a lot of skill and ambition and sort of knowing yourself yeah very well to go and yeah out those people and then persuade them to do to befriend you and work with you true <laughs> uh, true but after i am lucky because there is a few <laughs> yeah. so that's kind of easier maybe i've like i don't know five people that i really worship and that i, I would love to to work to work with and more and maybe in the five people maybe like two are already dead so it's like really like uh, something that is quite narrow also but because i always have like few obsessions but when they are there it's really like uh it's really uh, i really need to fulfill them or to to at least to meet people even if it didn't work you know like uh, if it doesn't work it's fine for me it's just like uh, just to get to know yeah the, the the who is that the source of like what i love uh, and what I feel bonded to, you know. Yeah. So you left um, Balenciaga, I think it was 2012, after being there five years, as you said, and it was at the same time that Nicolas left, yeah. or after he left. Um, and then you launched your own label, you launched it with uh, Atto, it was mm -hmm. a line called, called Atto with uh, Leon Blau. Um, but then quite soon after that, you... It wasn't, I mean, I think it must have been a couple of collections you did for Atto. I did two seasons for Atto. It was like one year uh, in general. I, I just left Balenciaga, in fact, uh, but uh, I was working, freelancing for Balenciaga at that time. It was almost a complete, full time, but uh, still I asked for that because I really wanted to work on something for me. I knew that I wanted to, to, to grow and I really wanted to, to yeah, experiment that, um, uh, entrepreneur feeling like to have my own brand and to express exactly what I thought was relevant at that time. So Atto came. Atto, it's, it's a really personal project. It was really based on the like, I think it was like maybe 40 pieces collection, like a really small 
uh, edited, let's say, a, a wardrobe for, for women. And so it was really in reaction of everything I was seeing in, in, in department stores or in, uh, in, in stores in general for, for women's wear, which was really like, you know, multi-zip, uh, ruffle dresses, high heels, um, complicated perfecto with like, um, like 100 different cuts and everything. So I really thought that maybe it would be interesting to work on something more minimal and just to try to propose like a really designed and cut uh, white shirt with detail or something that maybe I thought was what was that was more what women need at that time, you know, more than just like being you know, like fashion, fashion, fashion. And so uh, I began like that and it worked really well, like from the first season and we, we were already sold, like, I don't know, we may have like... Yeah, it was so well received. Yeah, yeah, really. And especially on that small scale, you know, like because we didn't, I didn't want it to do a show because I thought it was not relevant, you know. <laughs> I, I wanted what, you, think to... you mean you thought it was old fashioned? To yeah, exactly, yeah. you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I thought that it was closed and that we have to propose it like closed and, and so it's like I'm a rack in the in the beautiful room of course but like just like that presentation and I wanted to take beautiful pictures like making catalogues you know my obsession with catalogues yeah. already there and so it was really well received and, and so we were um, how can I say like I was uh, 20 Eight, 29 at that time and I was working at Balenciaga then Balenciaga ends so I was in the middle of that ato that was really working well which means a lot of work you know like because after you have to product all those things you have to ship them you have to everything the taxes like blah blah everything so that became really big fast and then Paco Rabanne arrived at that time and uh, so it was really like um, uh, the beginning of Paco Rabanne. They gave me the artistic direction at, the, at that moment when I was working on the second collection for Atto. And I was not doing anything else than designing, you know. And I was like building my team in Paco Rabanne and at the same time a small team in Atto working on really an amount of work and, and quantities that were like really uh, super like... Uh, heavy you know to to take care of and the same i, I need also to commit in paco Rabanne if i wanted it to work like in a full-time way and so i was like yeah 29 and 30 at that time and i was uh, i would not say overwhelmed but still i was not doing anything else than design i didn't see my friends anymore i didn't had any love life anymore i didn't you know like so i i just asked myself the question like is it what you want to live for 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 when you're 30 you know is it what you're going to remember so i had to make a choice at some point and to put at all a bit on this a bit on the side to just like uh, be able to be 100 percent concentrated mm -hmm. on 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 the paco Raban. But maybe yourself, one day. Yeah, I was gonna say. Maybe one day. I'd love, I love it. because it's a, it's a really like a yeah personal project, and yeah. I love that idea of making clothes uh, also detached detach from any form of um, uh, performing, uh, as you have to do with a show or in a brand. Why do you hate something. shows so much? I don't hate <laughs> show. Actually, I love to do it. Yeah. Like I really love love to do it, but. Sometimes, maybe less now, but especially at that time, it's really something somewhere that you have to perform. Yeah. So, do you think it's? Don't you, so you think you don't think it's an outmoded? 
concept? Um, I would not say that because really I enjoy doing it. So so I guess like uh, my um, my pleasure to do it is more important than yeah. just the, the way I think it's relevant or not. But um, I, I think that sometimes that depends of the clothes that you are doing, you know, and sometimes there is no, there is some like clothes that don't, need to be showed in a fashion show at all and it's better on a rack and it's really much more relevant on a rack that doesn't uh, uh, cancel any beauty or any quality of it but it's just that on a show you know it's really something uh, the idea of performance so you are always you have always that in mind when you design a clothes a show uh, for a show it's like it has to be performant it has to be impactful it has to be nice in movement uh, as if the this clothes is going to walk forever, you know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. this kind of thing. So, so it's really a way of designing that sometimes um, can make you uh, think, I would not say in a narrow way, but in an oriented way, which sometimes you just never stop. You are doing like a shirt and you are thinking like, okay, yeah. this shirt is beautiful like that, but I should put buttons there and I should, no, 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 and I should not. Because that's how it will look on the runway. Exactly, yeah. and that has to be, for, for, um, how do you say, like, impactful on photography. It's not like, you know, it's as if you were designing, I'm always coming back to car, I don't know why, but I find that there is kind of links to maybe closer yeah. sometimes. It's as if you make, a, you make a car and more than, if, if more than making it like performant on the road it's more like is it like amazingly designed yeah. car and then after you have your fender like falling on the, on the on the floor and everything you know it's it's really like uh sometimes but now i feel really much more comfortable with it and I'm not at all uh, uh you know uh, uh, how do you say like I, I don't feel narrow anymore about that that way mm. or, of expression mm. And I search, and don't I didn't find any just, way else. But they'll, they'll, don't you think they'll just? They might come a time soon when fashion shows will just become. I mean, it just feels like maybe they're not needed. It's a conversation that's happening a lot. I think it's like, yeah, I know. I, I think it's something that we have a lot of different ways to express things now, mm. like to and to um, distribute or to, to 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 show it. Let's say, and uh, so it's like, uh, of course. Uh, social media it's like um, uh, more and more videos even more than photo now so it's different the press even is shifting a little bit you know like uh, uh, now when you you uh, you are asked to do images for brand expression uh, it's half videos half pictures and before it was only pictures so there there is different you can feel a shift but you don't feel a shift into in the fashion show field let's say because that has to stay a performance. That's the moment when you can gather all the industry in one place for 10 minutes. So I was searching and searching a different way of, of, of thinking. But after I figured that it just like depends on the different brands. There is some brands that should uh, really dig the way of not doing a fashion show and do, I don't know, like put that budget into an amazing movie, you know, like hiring an amazing director and uh, um, actors and actresses and make a story about it and maybe like you can express the exact way of you want your clothes to be lived in and and that's all so that really depend on the on the, on the brands I, I guess you know and but at the same time it's really a totally different feeling because now I experienced like you get that thrill at a fashion show also you know that is quite 
unmissable. Enfin, uh, after, it's quite addictive, you know, like yeah, uh, to, to do shows yeah. and stuff. As a designer, but you know, in the audience amazing. as well, yeah. you know, like you can feel that and there is nothing else that can give you an, uh, the, that way of... of um, um, receiving clothes and receiving a new collection let's say so it's quite a debate that is interesting but uh, but yeah especially for Paco Rabanne I don't see another way of delivering clothes let's say or like uh, explaining them or something do you pay any attention to those brands that are selling directly through Instagram and not having a online not having a distributor other than yeah I feel I, I found it interesting because that's the first step I would say Then um, I, every time I saw this, I see this brand, I can feel that it's a really direct product. You know, it's more basically when I uh, associate that that um, way of, of selling and that way of uh, yeah selling selling products, I'm always thinking about like swimsuit brands or uh, uh, neck, uh, necklace with purse um, brands or you know something super categorized like that. I'm the brand that is doing that kind of striped. Yes, yeah, striped swimsuits or something. But I don't feel that more than a specific product that is really a fashion thing. You know, that it's like a brand expression more than the category, which is already like a, a really good thing. You know, like to have a really good sw swimsuit brand, it's like, a, it's like really good. So, so it's just that for now, I didn't find any brand that was working that way, that were... Um, um, capitalizing on that desire of fashion let's say mm -hmm. it's more like but uh, yeah you know when you send uh when you sell uh, apples or something you're the best apple seller so you can sell it directly because people know it's a really good apple and that's the same for them i guess yeah what's the fourth thing you put in the what's the fourth thing you want to talk um, about i think sorry i have to no take your time ah uh, thank you merci oh yeah It's a um, Nintendo Switch because that's basically something that I spend hours on when I just want to disconnect. You know, when I just want to like, it's instantly like my my brain go somewhere else. And I just like uh, on, on that gesture and on that like in the story of it. And it's just like a, it's avoid me to, to taking like pills or something you know like it's just like a, a total relaxation of the of the brain let's say so it's not really novel <laughs> on that sense but it's not it's, Baudelaire it's not <laughs> Baudelaire at all but it's important to have the two sides you know like just to to yeah. get to get out sometimes of your of your day as everyone I guess you know like uh, so it's either having drinks with friends or um, uh, Nintendo do you feel like now you have a better balance in your life Yeah, sure. We sure, keep sure. talking about balance. No, that's true. That, but that's the most why. important. Yeah. Yeah. No, with that, in fact, that, uh, with all that amount of work at that time, it, it was not that I felt um, uh, too much work, you know, something. It was just that I didn't want to miss out the, 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 my, my searches. You know, it was really about that. And now I, can, I work a lot, of course, super hard and everything, but... I can feel that I found that balance and that uh, I, I, I try to manage to have uh, enough time to enjoy my friends, my family, to have a love life, to uh, play, to read, to see things, you know, to go on learning and to go on searching, yeah. which I didn't 
find I, I had when when I was doing everything accept, at the same you time. You can't see anything, yeah. you get inspiration, yeah. Yeah, or it was worse than that. For example, uh, you know, when you have like too much things to do, you are looking at a flower and you are looking at a rack and it has to be an instinct, uh, an instinctive inspiration. You have to get something from every minute that you can put in your work because you have no time. You know what I mean? And I didn't want it to live like that. And it was like that for, yeah, one year something. And really it was like, oh, that beige of the moquette is really beautiful. <laughs> Let's take the, maybe it can be like a good cotton or something, you know? And, and yeah. so I just didn't want it to live like that. And I need to be, yeah, not nurtured or something, but just like see things and search for things and open my eyes and always looking around and but for me not for my work yeah. just for me in general after if it goes back to my work fine but yeah. that's why i love about that job too but i want to keep loving it about that yeah. job too you know what are the things that you like to do for downtime in when you're i don't know at the weekend or what what do i do yeah oh uh i that depends sometimes i'm i'm I go away, I mean like a uh, countryside or something because I need just to get out of the city a little bit. But sometimes I party hard with friends, you know, like for, for all the weekend and then after I'm like, oh my God, it's Monday. <laughs> uh, sometimes I just have a really steady life and I go to buy tomatoes and then after I make a dinner and then uh, like a kind of grown up life, let's say. So that really depends on the mood of the, but I, I think I can have the four mood in the months, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's really one weekend All of the each. different elements. I love the, I, lo I was looking at your Instagram and I really love the, um, I think it's in your home. Um, mm -hmm. It looks like the, um, the sitting room in your home area that you post regular you've posted it several times with the fireplace and oh yeah yeah, yeah candles yeah. and it looks like it's very zen yeah it's kind of really zen uh it's really like a, it's not empty but i love empty spaces because it's uh it makes you at least it makes me like more i would not say happy but serene let's say something like that and uh i just like at that feeling oh, okay it's, it's really empty so it's really like um i would not say zen because i hate that but kind of because I've ha i had that i just like oh let's have some grunge there and you know like putting all those candles everywhere and letting them drip on the on the wood floor everywhere add that kind of like really weird um uh, kind of agglomerate of i don't know like rocks everywhere yeah. and so i i also <laughs> i was also that really fond of uh, Barry Lyndon light and everything, you know, when they just Barry Lyndon, the, the, the movie. The Kubrick film. Exactly, yeah. the Kubrick fi film. And and so I love when I just like um, turn off all the lights and that amount of candle, they'll yeah. just make like a beautiful light. And so when people come to drink and they feel all beautiful <laughs> and everything. So, so that's quite nice in a social way and in a um, alone way. So, th so that's why. What's the last, what's the fifth thing you're going to talk about? The fifth thing I think is the lamp, no? Yeah. This lamp, in fact, is a, merci. It's a really um, fun uh, object that I found, I think, in a gallery in Italy, like years ago. And it's that kind of like, it's almost like a pet to me. It's like a foam, a studio foam uh, that is um, molded on a like metallic stru structure with the um, with just a little bulb inside so it's really quite easy when you think about it but uh, it gives me that feeling i didn't know if it was from the 80s or the 70s or even the 60s you know at that time 
Masayo Ave foam lamp. I guess it's like from the 80s or something. Yeah. And, uh, What's his name, Masayo? Masayo Ave. Okay. Uh, and uh, it's not a farm. I didn't know him before that no. lamp. I just know that lamp, actually. And so it's like, yeah, it become like a, like an object that you, how can I say, that you develop a kind of affective relationship with. You know, like sometimes when yeah. you're a kid or something, it's yeah. like, oh, as if, the, I don't know, the, 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 the kind of, Carafe, she have like eyes or something and I always function like that with objects like even now sometimes and this one particularly it really looks like a kind of yeah a little pet I don't know so so <laughs> that's pet. why that's why I love it and it makes that kind of like orange really warm light and it's like a pillow at the same time so have you seen other stuff from this designer hmm? no I just I just know that yeah. lamp actually I just know that lamp um, let's talk about Paco Rabanne then. Um, so you joined <coughs> in 2013, mm -hmm. I think was when the label, and obviously it's a massive brand with a huge heritage, you know, it was launched in the 60s and it was known for its, um, the designer um, was known for his innovative approach to design and for the chainmail dresses and the molded plastic. Um, and it's this idea of modernity that he brought into fashion and, 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 and what was happening at the time. Um, and I think the modernity, the idea of modernity is something that you've tried to bring back into Paco Rabanne, or mm -hmm. it's certainly something you were, um, that you've been thinking about. And also, you've, you, since you've been there, you've been brought in to kind of bring the fashion element back because it was yeah. a brand that be had become known primarily for its fragrances. Mm -hmm. um, how's it all going? It, it's like... Um, the luck I have, in fact, it was that when they called me to to take Paco Rabanne, uh, to carry Paco Rabanne and to, to take care of it, it's, it was, um, they just relaunched the fashion a few years before. So it stayed out of the map uh, on the fashion side for a long time, which was like a white blank page, let's say, when I arrived. And I was lucky enough also that they let me think about the brand in a different way because you were talking about that idea of modernity which is uh, a good match with me because I'm, i was always searching even uh, when i was working at balenciaga this kind of idea of modernity that's maybe why also i was go i, I, I wanted to work in, in balenciaga at that time so pagarban was really seductive to me on, on that side and they really did well to to pick me for for that aspect of the brand but still the modernity of Paco Rabanne that was expressed at that time, even before in fashion, was a retro modernity because it was the idea of the future from the 60s perspective, which is totally different from an idea of modernity in general. So I took more, uh, I, I worked more on the value of uh, innovation and modernity that was the core of Paco Rabanne's work and that's radical core, even sometimes maybe, to just bring back uh, the fashion there and to make it relevant without uh, just redoing the retro feeling that was kind of fashionable at that moment, 60s at the moment when I began uh, at Paco Rabanne. So everybody was expecting that I do like some vinyl miniskirts or something, which I didn't. And so and so it, I knew it gonna took a little bit more time because it was not recognizable from first, you know, the, the, the way of working that brand. But I knew that really I, I had to 
stick to that modernity, enfin, what I felt was modern at that time. And more than modern and futuristic, it was also catching the, that present moment. That was really what Paco Rabanne was about, because he was talking about future, but at the same time, he was really talking about his years and talking to his generation at that time, you know, and he was one of the first to do that, talking to women about, like, sexual liberation and to even just the fact that he was talking to 20-something people, which was the first time that there were talks to from a designer, you know, it was at that time like Chanel and Dior and they were dressing like their mother for the for the, for the women in general when they come to age to, to dress in, in couture houses. So, so I just wanted to get cut that in mind and to translate it now and to try to make it relevant again in that way and not thinking about Uh, bringing back some signs of Paco Rabanne or some aesthetic codes of Paco Rabanne that were obvious, surely, but that I didn't feel were at that right moment uh, relevant from what we wanted to say. Hmm. And the um, Paco Rabanne at the time, you know, you think of Paco Rabanne in the 60s and you think of the, the chainmail dresses and also the women that he dressed then and the celebrity women like Françoise Hardy and Jane Birkin, um, Jane Fonda and Barbarella. Um, is that something, do you think of Paco Rabanne now? Do you think of the women? Do you think of what are the kind of women that you feel represent an idea of modernity that matches Paco Rabanne? Yeah, uh, all the time. Actually, the, the things that I loved about um, those Paco Rabanne women of that time, like Françoise Hardy and Brigitte Bardot and Jane Birkin and uh, uh, Jane Fonda, that they were like really... Uh, independent women for that time. I mean, like uh, Françoise Hardy, she was a songwriter, amazing songwriter, amazing singer, attitude with an attitude that was super badass in that sense of like she didn't care of anything that has to do with like classic feminine beauty at that time, even if she was gorgeous. Uh, Brigitte Bardot, she was like all about like sexual liberation and uh, about like glorifying the body of the woman. I'm, uh, same for Jane Fonda, especially specifically in that film that where she is like a sexual like sexually charged let's say heroin and that was the first time that a woman was depicted like that in that way with desire let's say for for with like a sex life simply and uh the same for jen birkin that was experimenting with serge uh, experimenting with serge Gainsbourg, a lot of like provocation and pushing the boundary of what role she should have as a woman as an english woman at that at that time and and in paris especially so i'm always trying the same thing to translate it to women of a to 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 the way i see some women now you know so it's always has to be more than um feeling, I mean, the, 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 finding the new Jane Fonda or finding the new uh, Françoise Hardy or something, it has more to do with the values of, the, of those women, of independence and strength and fearlessness, let's say. And that's always the women that I love to work with when I, when I do, you know, because it's more about that kind of um, side of character that I'm always like uh, driven to uh, in general. That's great. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you very much. That was an episode of The Collector's House, a Matches Fashion podcast. 
You can find more episodes and more about Five Carlos Place on the Matches Fashion website. And you can join the conversation on social media by searching for at Matches Fashion, at Matches Fashion Man and the hashtag Five Carlos Place. Thanks for listening.